0: We are talking about everyone's favorite topic here in this series we are starting a five-week series today which I I personally am very excited and I can see by the number of people sitting out here that y'all are very excited as well we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic which is the topic of marriage and like I said this topic of marriage single people married people everyone wants to hear about this topic because nothing will affect your satisfaction and happiness and overall whatever in life more than decision about marriage. Alright, nothing has the ability to take you up higher or bring you down lower than decision about marriage. But let's start on a happy note right here. Let's start with dreams. Alright, let's start with the ladies right here. Alright, I won't make you do a show of hands, but in case I were to ask the ladies, give me a show of hands of how many of you from a young age dreamed about your wedding day. And you dreamed, I can see by the smiles on their faces, and you dreamed about the flowers and the bridesmaids, and you dreamed, of course, maybe about even the the groom at some point in time, okay? You dreamed about the dress, okay? You dreamed about all these different components of what your wedding would look like and what you'd wear and what the guy would wear and how your hair and all this kind of stuff. From a young age, you carried all these dreams, okay, into life and then wherever you find yourself right now unfortunately a lot of married women are still dreaming about that perfect that perfect marriage okay now guys okay I won't ask guys to raise your hand because guys you know don't dream about their wedding day they dream about their wedding night okay so we won't do a show of hands on that one and how many times guys before they were married dreamed about that but the point that I'm trying to make here is from a young age All of us are filled with ideas about what marriage is supposed to be, and falling in love, and carrying you over the throne, and happily ever after. I remember one time, like, it's just the world we live in, it's not bad, all right? The world that we live in. I remember one time, a couple summers ago, I told this story before, is that I took my family to uh, Disney, all right? And uh, my daughter at the time, I guess she was three, it was two summers ago, she was three years old, or maybe four. Um, and while you're there, you know, everything at Disney is princess, and princess, and princess. And she's all into the princess. The princess shirt, the princess shoes, the princess socks. Princess, princess, princess. So they had this thing at Disney, all right, where they had like a princess tea party. All right. So now I want to do something nice for the kids. So I said, okay, you know, we'll go to the princess tea party. So we go to this princess tea party. She's got a little princess outfit on. And we walk in there, and it is like 30 young girls dressed as princesses and 29 moms and then yours, Julie, was there. I didn't know it was like a mom-daughter kind of a thing. So I'm, I'm there with all the princesses, everyone's was all princessed up, all right? And the, the, the guest speaker of the day or the, the whatever, okay, was, was uh, Sleeping Beauty, okay? I guess she had, was on the schedule for the sermon that day. So she's speaking at this thing, okay? And we're all having our little teacups and our cucumber sandwiches and they made peanut butter and jelly, little hearts and it's all, Princessed up and she comes out and she's like, you know, she's asking the kids these questions about like, how many people are having a great time? And how many uh, girls saw this movie? hey, And then she goes and how many girls have fallen in love before? (laughs) And my face went, ah! Why from age four? Age four and you throw it out, fallen in love before? but that was totally common Okay, that was like no one else flipped out except me I think everyone else that was totally normal because from a young age it's like yeah you'll fall in love and we start to put these ideas in people's minds about what marriage is going to be like the sad part is like I said is that many married people are still dreaming about those days and about what marriage is supposed to be like and when are they going to get to Prince Charming or Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and when is it going to be as I thought it was going to be And the worst part of it is, is that all of the factors that lead to a successful marriage seem to be in place. Like that's the worst part, is that everything seems to be lined up perfectly. We love each other, we care about each other, we have so much fun at times together, we're totally compatible, but then why is it that things are always exploding in our faces? Unfortunately for many of us, our experience with marriage is not happily ever after. Unfortunately, for many of us, our experience with marriage is, why God? Pain, disappointment, frustration, leading ultimately to despair and feeling hopeless. And there's many people that have gotten so far in their marriage that they end up asking themselves the question, is a good marriage even possible? And listen, listen to me very carefully. I mean, everyone listen to me here. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about good people. I'm not talking about the bad people who are having bad marriages. Talking about good people having bad marriages. Good church people like y'all. Good people who, who love God and want to do the right thing and go to church on Sundays. But Those people. Us people. Saying like, is it even possible? Is it possible to have a great marriage? Okay, forget about great. Just give me B+. Is it possible to have a B-plus marriage? What's the answer to that question? I'm a blunt person, so forgive my honesty. I believe it is possible, but it is not likely. The odds are stacked against you, so to speak. They're not in your favor. I'm honest, forgive me for my honesty. I'm not saying I don't want you to have a good marriage. I'm not saying I don't wish it upon you, but what I'm saying is the odds are not in your favor that you getting married is going to turn out good, unless you do something different. Because the truth of the matter is, in this country, we have a crisis, not a problem. We don't have a problem with marriage. We have a crisis with marriage. We have a crisis with the level of what's going on with marriages in this country. Y'all know that the, the statistics say about 50% of marriages get divorced. That's a common statistic that's thrown out. And one of the things that I wondered is, is how true is that? So I wanted to go to forget about like statistics and let's go to like actual numbers. So I found some, some, some graph, a graph here that can help explain this to us a little bit. And it's talking about the marriage and divorce rates. And this bottom line, I think it's blue, but I'm colorblind. Is it blue? The blue line talks about the number of divorces in this country. And what you'll see from 1940 to 2010, okay, while it has gone up, overall, it's not like leaps and bounds. that, you say, well, okay, that's not so bad. But what's really bad is the top line is the number of marriages. Is that yellow? Green. 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 The green line shows the number of marriages. And what you see is the number of marriages has dropped significantly in this country. So that number of divorces still taking place with factored in that the number of marriages are going down. What this says to me is we have a crisis, people. It's not that it's not that everybody is getting married and this number is getting divorced. It's this number is getting divorced and just a, small, at a very smaller, a much smaller number is actually getting married. What this says is, see, what I see here is the number between marriages and divorces. The lines have never been closer than they are right now. And the trend is that the two are going in the same direction or will one day meet. And that's what's going to happen in this country unless we do something about it. That's what's going to happen to you unless you do something about it. Unless you are willing to roll up your sleeves and say, you know what? I will not be one of the numbers who brings this line up. Unless you're willing to go against the grain, to, sw- to go against the flow, and to do something different than everybody else is doing, you're going to wind up just like the rest of these people as well. And I'll throw on top of that, is that not only are 50% of the people getting divorced, but I would say the other 50%, percent say 50% of them are miserable in their marriage if not even a higher percentage. We're just keeping it together for the sake of the kids. We're keeping it together because they just don't want to be divorced. We got a crisis in marriage in this country. Let me ask you this question. Think about this in a logical way. We say that there's a 50% chance of divorce if you get married. Tell me any other area of life that you are willing to go 50-50 odds on. For example, I say, here's an investment opportunity and there's a 50% chance you will lose all your money. Invest everything you got in it, and 50% chance you'll go broke. You take those odds? I say, here's um, uh, a new food that just came out, and your chances of getting cancer are 50% if you eat it. Bone appetite. Anyone take those odds? If I tell you there's a 50% chance if you walk outside you're gonna get eaten by a bear. Anyone gonna take an evening stroll tonight? Why in marriage do we accept 50-50? I wouldn't accept 50-50 in any area of significance. And why are we willing to accept it in our marriages? But yeah, get married. And 50-50, you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. But it's 50-50. I ain't satisfied with 50-50. And what I'm looking for today, marrieds and singles, is people to say, I ain't satisfied with 50-50. So I want better odds. I want to push it, and I want to get better odds on my marriage. Whether it's my current marriage or my future marriage, I don't accept it. And if that's you, then you are going to love this series. Because what we are going to talk about, like I said, we're talking about five commitments. That I believe that if you make these five simple commitments, simple, not easy, but simple commitments, then you can fail proof your marriage. And those are big words, that's big promises, but you can fail proof your marriage with these five simple commitments. Single people, what does it have to do with you? For you, the most important thing. To help you in your future marriage is seeing what a healthy marriage should look like. And I think if you get a chance to hang out with married people who are healthily married, that's the best thing in the world for you. To see how a man should treat a woman, see how a woman should treat a man. See how they should treat each other, how they should treat kids. See how they should have fun together. See how they should even argue together. There's nothing better for you than for us to hold up this picture for you of what it's supposed to look like. And married people, it ain't too late for you. It's never too late. We actually... Well, for those who were here during the liturgy early, we actually talked about that—about how as long as Jesus is in the picture and as long as He's in the room, there's no such thing as ever too late. But the key is we got to be willing to make these commitments. Let's go back in time and go back to your wedding day. In weddings that you see on TV, okay, we don't do these weddings here in our church, all right? But in the weddings on the TV, when you see it, you see like the vows. Okay? For those of you who are not Orthodox, we don't do the vows. Okay? Because in the Orthodox Church, you don't actually make vows to each other, you make vows to God. Alright? So, there's actually no vows to one another, it's vows to God. But anyway, we can take the vows, we've all seen the movies, okay, we've seen the TV's, we know how it goes. I, you know, Joe Blow, take you, you know, Little Debbie, you know, to be my, you know, lawfully wedded, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then, it says, for something, 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 for better or for worse. Right? That's what we call the series, For Better or For Worse. For Better or For Worse is the most important thing that you need to take away from this series. That I'm going to call you out on five commitments that you are going to do for better or for worse. Meaning, you are going to do it when she is acting good or when she is acting bad. You will be the man that God is calling you to be and hold your commitments. And when he is fulfilling his part and when he is not fulfilling his part, you will be the, the woman that God has called you to be for better or for worse. That means that regardless of what it is, that's what I'm saying, is my vow is not to a person. My lovely wife there, I don't treat her respectfully because of my vow to her, but because of my vow to God. Because God is the one who ultimately is going to hold me accountable to that vow. And He's the one that if I mistreat her, then He's the one who's going to take it out on me. Alright? I always say that my father-in-law all right, is my up there. He's my father-in-law, because he's her dad. And he's the one who I gotta answer to. So we are going to, for better or for worse, and if there's one thing that I always tell married couples, and if you're married and you come talk to me, you know this. That if you come, a wife comes to me and says, my husband, my husband, my husband. What I'm gonna say is, well how are you being the wife that you need to be? And are you keeping up your end? And maybe he, and i make excuses for the guy, and you need this. And then the guy comes to me and I say, how dare you treat like this? And a poor girl like this, why aren't you being a better husband? It's because the problem in marriage is if you look there to fix it, you can't fix nothing. How are you gonna fix marriage? Because you fix here. Because I can't control that, but I can control this. And here's the thing, between me and my wife, there's two of us. If I change me, you know what I've just done? Change 50% of the relationship. I'm halfway home to changing the relationship. If I change me, I'm halfway home to changing the entire relationship. Wise man once said, you want to make a change in the world? You start with the man in the mirror. Okay, very good. Young kids can go Google that when you go home (laughs) Five commitments We are going to keep We are going to seek God Fight fair, have fun Stay pure, never quit Easy As you know, not easy, simple 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 We are going to seek God Each and every single one of us Is going to seek God We're going to have fun, we're going to fight fair We're going to stay pure, we're going to never quit Simple, right? Say them with me, so I know that you're paying attention. We are going to seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never quit. Say it one time without me, so I know that y'all, I can hear y'all. Say it again. We are going to
1: seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never
0: quit. Easy, right? You're gonna memorize these. You're gonna internalize these. You're gonna make these engraved on your heart, that for every single day of my marriage, I'm going to seek to keep these five commitments. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to fight fair. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to stay pure. I'm going to never quit. Let's go to the first one. Today's topic. Seek God. The problem in a lot of marriages today is that marriages oftentimes don't start off as seeking God. And if we're honest, when we now I'm talking like to the marrieds. Well, to the singles as well. But I'm saying the married people, if we're honest, we go back in time. A lot of us didn't get married because we were seeking God. We were seeking a spouse. Because we thought that a spouse was the answer to all our problems. And we thought we need to have a spouse in order so we can be happy. And we sought for a spouse and we did whatever it was to take it to find a spouse. And those who are single may be in that boat right now. Seeking a spouse. Not saying you're bad. And I'm not saying you're bad. But what I'm saying is is that we oftentimes seek a spouse, not seek God. How does that work out? That is when you come to meet your girlfriends and you say, Father Anthony, I've met the greatest God. And he's so cute. He's got eyes and shoulders and like, he's just the best, great job, good family. Of course, that's so important. Okay, like, he's just the best. And the expression that I've used before, and I'll use it again, is say I have found the one. I found the one, Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, and they really believe that that one is going to solve all their problems. And married people, you know, that's just the beginning of problems. Meeting him is in the end; it's just a start. Here's the way it's supposed to go. Father Anthony, lower pitch voice. Father Anthony, I met a great guy, godly man. Yeah, he's cute, okay, but more importantly, like, he's got a godly character. He loves God. He loves the church. He loves your sermons. Obviously a wise guy, like, he's the best. Father Anthony, I have met the two. I have met the two. Because I believe, as I've said many times before, God is one, spouse is two. God is one, spouse is two. And why we get messed up in our marriages is because we make spouse one, God two. Spouse one, God two. Or I'm, I'm hoping God is true. Sometimes spouse one, career two. If you got kids, maybe they climb their way up the ladder. Anything other than God one, spouse two. 50-50. 50-50. This is such an important principle. When Jesus was asked... What is the most important commandment that we keep? He did not say, love your spouse with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said in Mark 12, verse 30, that you love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Another way, make me one. Make me one. I am one. And anything else than me being one equals 50-50 odds. Let's break that down and now apply it to the two groups in the room. Let me start with the singles who are hoping to marry one day, all right? And how does this principle of God one, spouse two, apply to you? Let's say you're here today. You don't have a ring on your finger, but certainly wouldn't argue if one showed up there someday, all right? You'd love to meet that person. Again, if today happens to be the day that you meet them, okay, that's... More power to you, all right? And if that does happen, then you name your first child Anthony, okay? Okay, I'll take credit for that. But you're hoping one day, you know, that you, know, you meet the right person and all that good stuff happens. Here's what you need to internalize, memorize, and be the driving force of your life, is that I will seek the one while preparing for the two. I will seek the one while preparing for the two. Y'all heard of love triangles, right? This is my love triangle right here and this is copyright me. In life, what you always have is boy and girl and what happens a lot of times is boy meets girl and then they love each other and they googly eye one another and they text each other and all this kind of stuff and boy or boy (laughs) and girl get as close as they can to one another. The problem is, if boy and girl seek to get close to each other, they're very far away from God. And any marriage that pits, not pits, not the best word that uh, joins together, okay, that joins together, boy and girl, with God as far away, 50-50 odds, and in fact, I'm going to say less than 50-50 odds, because you know why? Because boy is selfish, and girl is selfish, and boy is a little arrogant at times, and girl is kind of arrogant and boy has all kinds of bad habits. But so does girl. You put two people who are selfish, who are arrogant, who have bad habits, same room, lock them up, all right, and say, you're never allowed to leave each other? That's a, that's a survivor, okay? That is a, a reality TV show. That's a disaster waiting to happen. Only way that works is you insert someone else into the equation who can fix all the stuff, and that is God. That's why well, that, what I believe single people needs to be the driving force of your life. You seek God you seek God and you seek him number one and yes you want to get married but the best way that you prepare for marriage is by seeking God what's going to happen as you seek God and you go closer and closer to God then girl who you know nothing about who may be in this room may not be in this room God is working behind the scenes to prepare her as well and he will unite you all three of you in a perfect unity one day single people we are not speak seeking a spouse. We are, as the verse says, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Like we have to believe what we say we believe. And we say we believe that if you seek God, all these things shall be added to you. We seek to know God. We seek to serve God. We seek to worship God passionately. We seek to know Him intimately. And then we trust And when we do that, that He will provide. The right woman at the right time. Tell me, Adam. What did Adam do? First marriage. What did Adam do to find his girl? What did Adam have to do? Nothing. He went to sleep. He just went to sleep and he woke up with a beautiful girl right next to him. And she was already dressed for the wedding night. Okay? We don't need to seek a spouse. We need to seek God and trust that God will bring our spouse to us. We'll seek the one while preparing for the two. Why this is so important. Whether or not you realize it, you attract what you are. You attract what you are. And oftentimes i found some people are not realistic in terms of their marriage expectations because they don't realize that you attract what you are. I'll tell you a true story that I heard from, um, um, I read it in a book okay, by, uh, by Andy Stanley. I don't know if you all heard of Andy Stanley from Atlanta, Okay, pastor of a big church. He talks about a young girl who like was a committed Christian and went to church and all this kind of stuff and then she went away to college and when she went away to college as many of us do when we go away to college she strayed a little bit and she got she started to deviate from the straight and the narrow started getting a little bit of partying but in her heart yes she wasn't bad like and she was just kind of keeping under control and she's gonna go back one day but she started to kind of stray and a little straying led to a little more straying and she became You know, partying here and there, drinking, hooking up with guys, but, you know, never... You know, she wasn't a bad girl, she was a good girl, but she just started towing the line a little bit. And then one day, third year of school, she came back home and she decided... Like, she started to think seriously about marriage, and she met this great guy at church. And she comes home and tells her mom, Mom, I met a great guy today, fantastic guy, godly man. Like, really loves God and and, and really passionate about, like, leading a family closer to God. And he's he's cute and he's funny and we seem to get along and he just seems like a great guy. And the mom, true story, said to her daughter, very lovingly, very sweetly, very whatever, said, you know, sweetheart, I got to tell you the truth. A guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. That's the reaction you're supposed to have. Facts are facts. You attract what you are. If I polled all the single people, who wants a godly man, godly woman? Everyone raised their hands. Are you living a godly life? Are you seeking God? Why you want to marry someone who seek? Why would someone who is seeking God first and foremost want to marry someone who isn't? Why would someone who puts God as number one? Want to marry someone who doesn't put God as number one? You attract what you are. It's simple. We will seek the one while preparing for the two. You want a guy who is very friendly with the ladies? Go ahead and be friendly with the guys. Like attracts like. You want a girl who has very low standards? Go ahead and have the low standards that you. That's fine. You attract what you are. You attract what you are. Forgive me, but that's facts. You attract what you are. Single people, we will seek the one while preparing for the two. We do not want 50-50 odds. We want much better odds. Therefore, we will seek God passionately while we're preparing for the two. Marrieds. The driving force of your marriage is going to be this. I will always seek the one with my two. I will always seek the one with my two. I will never allow my marriage, my spouse, or anything, my career, my kids, my, my friends, my hobbies, I will never allow anyone, anything, to take the place of number one. God is one, and I will, with my spouse, together, hand in hand, arm in arm, we will seek the one together every single day of our married life for the rest of our lives. Anything less than that is idolatry. God said back in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 that you shall have no other gods before me. You know what happens when you make your spouse one? You idolize them. You make them an idol. You put them in a place like God hated idols. And when you make your spouse number one, You idolize them. Now, what happens when you idolize someone or something? What happens when you make an idol out of anything? Let's say I were to make an idol out of, you know, uh, the sun or this podium thing or anything you make an idol out of. You have very high expectations for what it can do for you. But because it's not really God, it's going to let you down and disappoint you. And then after you idolize it, you end up demonizing it. You end up hating its guts. And that's what happens oftentimes in marriage. Oh, this boy is gonna answer all my problems. So all my problems. And my life is gonna be great now that I'm married to this boy. But this boy is not the answer to all my problems. So I hate this boy's guts. Oh, before we're married, oh, look, she's so uh, organized and she's so driven and ambitious. Now that we're married, she's such a control freak. She won't leave me alone, all right? We idolize, then we demonize. How many times I heard this one from the ladies? He's so laid back that's dating talk, he's so laid back you know what married talk is? he's worse than a bump on a log Okay, (laughs) a bump on a log calls him lazy we idolize we demonize the only way this works God one spouse two, we'll seek the one with our two now specifically, what does that mean? I thought about this What does it mean to seek the one with your two? And I thought about it, and I could come up with a lot of answers, a lot of things you could do. But I would be doing you and me a disservice to talk about 10 different things that you can do. So I said, let me just choose one thing. Let's just choose one thing that we wanna commit to do, something simple, but something that I believe is the most effective. I think there's one thing, that if you commit to doing this one thing, like there's certain things in life. I read a book one time. It's about like, like establishing good habits. And it says that some habits are what you call keystone habits. I don't know if you all heard this expression. Keystone habit. Okay. So what's a keystone habit? It's a habit that if I do it, it doesn't accomplish all that, but it makes it easier to do all that. Okay. It, it creates a positive momentum. Like for example, for me, my most important habit in my entire life, Like I'm big on discipline, all that stuff. The number one is don't snooze. Don't snooze. That's it. If I can do that one habit of don't snooze, doesn't matter what time I wake up. Don't snooze says that you came up with a plan for your day. Stick to the plan. Even if that plan is sleeping, don't snooze. What happens when I snooze, all right, then, okay, I snooze and I woke up later. So then it's like, All right, quiet time, and kind of rush quiet time, kind of go quickly, and then like I'm flustered, you know what I mean? Because I have a good quiet time, so I'm like all disheveled, and I'm like late for my appointment, so I like, I drive really fast, and I get pulled over and get a ticket, and then the guy thinks I'm Bin Laden, so he takes me to jail, and then I... (laughs) All because I snooze in the morning. That one habit, if I do that one habit, the rest of my day, I created a positive momentum for the rest of my day. And if I don't do it, negative momentum. Marriage, I believe, has similar keystone habit. That if you can do this one, it's simple. It's not the answer to everything. But it creates such a positive momentum in your marriage. Know what it is? It's prayer. It's prayer. Pray together. Don't be so smart that you're dumb. Don't be so smart that you think the answer is. Sometimes you know, the answer is a lot simpler than you think. Pray together. Wives, I'm reading your mind. Uh, I tried. He didn't want to pray. He hates to pray. Every time I tell him, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. For some reason, he doesn't respond appropriately. Go figure. Husbands, I can read your mind. I don't want to pray with her. She prays too long. I can read y'all's minds. I understand. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I acknowledge it's going to be difficult. But usually that keystone habit is the most difficult. Because it's the most worthy one. Like it brings the most benefit. So yes, that not hitting that snooze is so difficult. But if I can do this, man, it created such a positive momentum going forward. And same thing with prayer. If I can get this prayer, man, it becomes a lot easier to read the Bible together when we pray together. It becomes a lot easier to go to church together when we pray together becomes a lot easier to not call her names and she call me names when we're praying together before and after. Why is prayer so important? Why does prayer have such an approach? Like, why is it we stand together and we pray? Like, who cares? We hate each other's guts. We can't get along by anything. What is prayer going to have to do with anything? How is that going to solve any of the problems? Those who are married and have prayed together... I bet you, you agree with me, even though you might not know why you agree with me. There's something incredibly bonding and intimate about praying together. That's why, back to the single people, I don't encourage single people to pray together so intimately, especially at the beginning. Because it is very intimate, it is very bonding, and I especially don't encourage you to pray together in rooms where no one else is in the room. Bedrooms especially, okay? Now married people, I strongly encourage you to pray together in rooms where no one's there, especially the bedroom. Because it is an incredibly bonding and intimate thing to bare your soul in front of someone else. I'm telling you, I can't put it into words, but when me and my wife are next to each other and we're praying for one another, it's very powerful. And we're praying for our family. And we're praying for our marriage. We're praying for our kids. And we're praying for God's plan for our life, whatever it may be. It is incredibly bonding and intimate. And it unites you in ways you're not going to get that intimacy going to dinner together. Or watching a movie together. One time I was hanging out with a a group of uh, married people. And uh, we were reading this thing about marriage. Watching this, this video, it was talking about marriage. And it was talking about prayer and marriage. And it was talking about how bonding it can be. Okay. And it said that 80% of couples who pray together regularly report a significant increase in sexual satisfaction in marriage. All of a sudden, all the guys became very spiritual men. <laughs> because there is something very bonding about praying together. Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen: If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What's their land here? What I'm, I'm interpreting this verse, and I'm saying, if my people will pray, will seek my face, I will heal their marriage. God is saying, I want to heal marriages in this country. I want to heal your marriage. If you're not married, I want to give you a healthy marriage. If you are married, I want you to have a healthy marriage. I want to heal. But if my people need to pray and seek my face. We're going to watch a little video clip right now. In case you think that I am, in case you don't want to hear just my opinion, all right, I got asked my lovely wife to share kind of her opinion on the subject, and we thought it'd be. Better to do over video, just so that she wouldn't tell any stories, okay, while she had the microphone. So we're going to listen to Mary Ann right here. And the audio is going to be very loud when I speak and very low when she speaks. So,
2: All right, we are here live with my lovely wife, Mary Ann, who has graciously agreed to give us a little bit from her perspective on things. So Mary Ann, tell us, from your perspective... How important is it when we as a couple seek God together?
1: To me, that's really, really important in our marriage because that's the time where I feel the closest to you when we're seeking God together. So we seek God together in two ways. First, I think the most important thing is when we're open with each other, we're vulnerable with each other, we're sharing our struggles with each other. That... um, makes me feel really close because I know you're praying for me and I love the advice that you give me so I always feel connected and I also love that it's a safe place where I know you won't judge me. The hard part in that is having the courage to open up and share but when I do and when you do, neither of us ever regrets it. And the second way is praying together. I love it when we pray together. We can um, put our families needs before God uh, and we always see Him answering and it always makes us more united.
2: Alright, so you mentioned prayer. Tell me, what effect does praying together have on our marriage?
1: I think it has a huge effect. Sometimes we all go through that crazy cycle. Sometimes I feel like the only way out of that cycle is when we pray together and Sure enough, every time God lifts us out slowly through prayer, and then also it unifies us in a really strong way. And I see it, even the effects in our kids when we're praying for them. I see um, God's hand upon them in a special way.
2: And how do you feel when we go stretches of time without praying together?
1: And that's when the routine kicks in and everything just kind of becomes dry.
2: Okay, um, last question for you. What advice would you give to a wife who wants to pray and seek God with her husband, but he isn't very receptive to the idea?
1: I think the best thing to do would be um, to pray on your own. I know um, in our marriage, if there's times where, you know, maybe we're in that cycle where we're not so close, and I go, the last thing I want to do is pray. But oftentimes I will go and pray and I'll ask God to just kind of show me my part in it. And He always is very faithful to point out what I have done and what I can do to fix the problem. I know you can never control your spouse, but bringing yourself before God has been huge for me.
2: Well, thank you very much for your time, Marianne. We really appreciate it. And we thank you for not sharing any more stories with our church family here. (laughs)
0: It's dangerous to give a microphone to your wife, so that's why I will stick with the recording where I, where I control the editing. All right, I just want to point out like something that she said, but like, like I already told you guys, is that it really does create... It really does create this intimacy and bond in your marriage. It really does create this intimacy and bond in your marriage that you can't manufacture any other way. Like spending time together won't create this bond. Hanging out together won't create this bond. That's why single people, you must be seeking the one at all times so that you can be ready to seek God together when y'all get married. And married people, we need to always be seeking the one with the two. And I promise you, not I'm promising, God promised. That's what that verse says. He will bring healing to our land. I'll give you one last thing on the subject of praying together in case you're still not convinced. Y'all heard of Family Life? Okay, the group that puts together this uh, conference called Weekend to Remember. All right, very nice organization. Do all kinds of good stuff. Well, they did a survey a couple years back about prayer and marriage. And they surveyed, you know, however many thousands of Christian couples. Okay, Christian couples. not, Not outside. Christian couples and they discovered that of christian couples less than 8% pray together regularly and i believe that because prayer even though it's simple is hard cuz like it's the simplest thing but it's so hard to find the time for sometimes less than 8% pray together regularly ready for statistic ready for statistic of those couples that do pray together regularly that 8% Less than 1% divorce. Less than 1% divorce. 8% only are praying together. But take this 8%, and now let's look at them. Less than 1% end up getting a divorce. Man, if that doesn't convince you, I don't know what will. If that doesn't convince you that you need to pray together as a couple, I don't know what will. You want 50 50? Good luck to you. I'll take ninety-nine-one. I believe that the last thing the devil wants you to do in your marriage is to pray together. I believe that when you're fighting, the devil wants to keep you apart so he can demonize you in his eyes and him in your eyes. That he can get you here and say, well, he is and he is and he is and she is and she is and she is. And the last thing that he wants is for you two to come together and say we're both wrong. Let's discuss this, but first let's pray together. Let's join hands and put it before God and pray together and then discuss the matter. We're going to talk about fighting fair next week, but I'm starting by the first part, the praying together. Because the couples that pray together, as the adage goes, that pray together end up staying together and the numbers prove that. You say, but oh, we've never prayed together. I say, I say, Today's the best day to start. I don't care if you ever prayed together. Start today. You say, but we're fighting right now. I say, who cares if you're fighting right now? Pray together, solve the fight, move on. You say, but it's uncomfortable to pray together. I say, suck it up. You're married. You should be used to being uncomfortable by now. (laughs) Marriage isn't about being comfortable. Marriage is about doing what is pleasing to God. It's about seeking God so you can have a healthy marriage. I'm going to do something special here today. In a minute, when I wrap up, I'm going to do something special. and It's going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to do it anyway. Hopefully, you're sitting next to your spouse if you're married. If you are, what you are going to do is, when we pray, you're going to hold your spouse's hand and you're going to commit together to seek God together. We don't need a big show and dance about it. You just put your hand, you'll hold your hand you're single, you will not hold anyone's hand. (laughs) You will hold your own hand. But you will commit you will seek the one while preparing for the two. I believe that God wants to do, wants to bring healing to our land. Healing to our families. Healing to our marriages. And I believe that's what you want too. Because that is why you got married. You want that healing. Well, if we want that healing, we've got to make sure that we do it God's way, not our way. Just before this series, for those who have been here, we did a series on prayer. And it wasn't really correlated, like it wasn't like set up that way. But in the end, God has a plan. And God is working all things together for good. And in that series, our theme verse was Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. And it said, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I believe God gave us that verse in the last series to prepare us for this series. God wants to do great things, mighty things. and He wants to reveal it to you, whether you're single, whether you're married. But the question is, which one of us are going to, if we're married, lock hands if we're not, okay, But and we're going to seek the one while preparing for the two or With our two. That's my challenge to you. Next week, we're going to talk about fighting fair. But fighting fair, talk about rules of warfare, because even when countries attack countries, there's still rules of warfare. So we're going to need warfare rules and our fights as well, because we're still going to fight. But fighting fair on a foundation of seeking God is completely different. We need to build that foundation this week. And your homework assignment, every week you're going to have a homework assignment here. All right, your homework assignment, if you're married, is to pray together as a couple. At least once. But if you're already praying once, try to get two or three in there. To at least once pray together as a couple. And hopefully establish that as a Single, you're going to do Matthew 6:33. You're going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and trust that all these things shall be added to you. Alright, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to stand up for prayer. Alright? Like I said, you're married... When you're sitting next to your spouse, grab hold of her hand or his hand. <coughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we God, amen. Lord, we thank you for this message that you gave us today, for opening up this series for us, Lord. Lord, there's nothing that, that aches our heart more than when we're, we're not satisfied and we're struggling with our marriage. Lord, I believe that you want to bring healing to this land, healing to our marriages. I believe that you want, like, the next generation of marriages not to be like the past one, but you want to, like, lead, like, a group of people to to really find your plan for their marriage and to be seeking you in their marriage and to be totally satisfied the way you designed marriage to be. Give us, Lord, to seek you more than anything else. Give us to change our bad habits. Lord, bring healing to our marriages. Bring healing to our marriage, especially those who right now, Lord, want to make this commitment to you. I pray that you would help them make the commitment to seek you first, Lord, and to spend time together in prayer with their spouse. I pray also, Lord, for all the single people who don't know what your plan is for their life. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal it to them and that you would glorify your name in their lives. Lead them to find a husband or a wife that, that you want them to have and that would lead to like a great family being born one day. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Here us says, we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. One, Through Christ Jesus our Lord, mine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all for coming this week. If you are new, uh, make sure you stop by the connection table in the back and you get some free stuff from back there and, uh, and uh, get connected back there. See you all next week.